0: Thanks, Cole. You guys can have a seat if you like. You guys, welcome to Church of the Holy Spirit downtown. We do things a little bit different here, which you may have noticed since we're all seated at tables. Um, One of the things we do that's really central is that we're going to share a meal together, a meal of bread and wine. And uh, I forgot the bread tonight. So we have it. I ran home and I got the bread. uh, And so we have bread. But just in case, if you're the kind of person who sometimes completely screws up the central thing of what you're doing... You've come to the right place. This is sometimes just what happens. So if I seem sweaty, but we have bread, and I didn't sweat on your bread. But we're really glad that you're here. Um, I'll explain kind of how we, go, how we go through this. In just a minute, Mike Massey's going to come up, and he's going to join us. Mike is Cole's dad, the gentleman who just led worship. Mike's dad, or Cole's dad is coming up, and he's going to spend some time in the scriptures with us. We're going to have a chance to listen to him. And then you guys are going to get the chance to discuss what it is that Mike is talking about as we share a communion meal. I'll explain this meal that we share that commemorates Jesus' death and resurrection, and looks to his coming again. Um, but we're really glad that you've come here. We hope you'll, you'll enjoy a little bit of fellowship around the table, some time in the Word, uh, the teaching of the Apostle, as we say. We're going to spend some time in prayer. Um, we look forward to doing this, sharing this evening with you. So with that, Massey, come on up, brother. Glad you're here.
1: Good to be with you guys. So I've not been here before. Does this rise? a little too tall for this, but anyway, that's all right. Um, it was cool uh, watching. Uh, my, so we started a Bible study in our home in 2008. That was not something we planned. And Cole uh, led worship there since he was in eighth grade. And so um, it's just been, I just love ministering with my boy. Like, it's just such a proud, proud moment to see him Loving Jesus like that. And so it feels like a Tuesday night, except we don't have cool tables in this cool venue. We've got to reinvent, you know, maybe renovate our home, honey. Maybe that's what we've got to do, make it look more like this, like a bar in our house. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, every Tuesday night what we do is we start the evening by just kind of like, like I believe that when two or more are gathered, that he's there with us, but we just always start the evening by just saying we want to invite him to speak and move and breathe and that we're gonna be available to whatever he wants to do and say, and we're gonna remove anything that's prohibiting or inhibiting him from speaking in our lives. So just, if you wanna stand, kneel, sit, I don't care. Just, you know, I I like to raise my hands. I don't, you know, you don't have to do that, but just, let's just beg, plead, ask. We don't have to beg, plead, ask. The Holy Spirit to just fall in power, Amen? amen? Father, we're just asking tonight that you just pour out your presence in this place. Pour out your anointing here, God. We want to hear from you. We want to hear you speak. We don't want to hear my words, Father. We want to hear your words. And we want to be available to what you want to do and how you want to whisper in our ears and how you want to present change to our lives, Lord. And not just the kind of speaking or teaching or talking that tickles our ears, Father, but real transformative change where you, the Holy Spirit, Indwell us, move in us, and change us and speak to us. Should we say that in agreement? Yes. Amen. Amen. All right. So Proverbs one twenty three. the word here says, If you turn at my reproof, which is translated as kind correction, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. And then Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Same word there. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So we're in a series called Proverbs, Living Wisely in God's World. And Proverbs talks a lot about the wisdom of listening to God's correction, adhering to it, listening to it. So let me begin by saying, I am not an expert on correction except to the degree that I've been corrected a lot in my life, right? Like God's correction has been ever present all the time and I have to confess that I have not always seen God's correction as good or something that I want or desire or need and I often fight it with every fiber of my being. I'm a stubborn, headstrong Enneagram eight. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? Like that's eight equals jerk, right? Like like that's my Enneagram and I'm headstrong. Like, but what I do know is I've been loved by Jesus and I'm falling more and more and more in love with Jesus every day, every year. And I've come to love, not always like, but come to love and desire and desperate for God's correction. As a result of... See, see, a result of godly correction, there is a change in our behavior when God steps in. But, but, do you guys think? I just want to answer here. Do you think godly correction is primarily about fixing the sin in your lives? No. So, what do you think is the primary reason for God's correction? The heart. The heart. What about the heart? To change
0: what in the heart is causing us to sin
1: to go away. From it. Okay. What else? Anyone else? Any other thoughts? Relationship. What else? To glorify him. To glorify him. What do you mean by that? When you sin and he can help change that in you, that transformation glorifies his strength and power. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to maybe give us a new vision tonight about what godly correction is. So I think most believers, most Christians, and not always wrongly so, we think that correction is all about... Us fixing a behavior, changing a sin, bringing something that's hidden out in the dark that we're doing sinfully or horribly. But what if that's really not the primary goal of godly correction? That's a symptom. God does want our behaviors changed. He does, us want, to live, he does want us to live free of things that are holding us in bondage. But I would suggest that the primary goal of correction is to correct our vision that he wants us to have a realignment or an alignment with him. That because the goal of your and my life in Jesus as followers of Jesus is not to arrive at death safely. Americans, can I get an amen? Amen. Like it's not to arrive at death safely. The goal of our lives in Jesus is for your and my freedom. Galatians 5.1 is for freedom's sake that you've been set free. And so to that end, God's correction is not about just fixing a behavior because we could do that on our own. The Pharisees did that. God's goal is to correct our vision so we're aligned with him so that we live lives understanding that our stuff is not our own, our lives are not our own, our possessions are not our own, our families are not our own, our time is not our own because we have been set free to set others free because the gospel has liberated us to go liberate others. That is the goal of correction, that we would be the powerful, effective Ecclesia. So with that in mind, Proverbs one twenty three, the primary verse we'll look at, the context of it is there was a woman by the name of Wisdom and she was crying out in the streets to the people and she wanted them to heed her voice. What was she crying out? She was in the streets and she was crying out and she still cries out to us today for the people to listen and turn. But for what? What did she want them to listen and turn for? She was wanting them to turn at correction and live in the right direction with their eyes fixed like flint. See, there's three things about correction that I want you to understand. One is that a willingness to listen and turn is the essence of correction. To continue in the right direction, we must constantly be open to correction and your direction is always tied to godly correction i know it's very quippy hope you remember it maybe you won't but that's what correction is about and so wisdom comes along and gently says listen turn at my kind correction but how many of you guys like correction i love it i've been married 27 years i love my wife's correction right none of us like correction My wife doesn't like it. I don't like, none of us like, I don't care how kindly you say it. We burr up, we get our back up, we get defensive. We we don't like correction. Why is it that we despise correction so much, especially from the Lord? Why do we we fear it? Why are we always waiting for the shoe to drop? Here's what I believe. I believe our view of correction all depends on how we view the heart of God. I wanna give you two if-then statements. If we have a proper view of who God is, who we are as a result, that we are not our own and our lives are not our own because of him, then we will be actively listening for his call to turn and we'll have a willingness to receive his good correction. The second if then statement though is, if we do not understand the truth of who God is and his good heart towards us, then we will live in fear and control and we will hear his call to correction, his punishment or judgment, not his love. Let me show you a video clip as, a, as an illustration.
0: Well, we're 0 for 6. Last chance is the Elmhurst Country Club, other side of the lake on the southeast side. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I thought this would work. Through everything I had at that guy, nothing. That's how it goes sometimes, you know. You lose everything and everything falls apart and, and eventually you die and no one remembers you. That is a very good point, Dwight. Make. make a right turn. Wait, 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 wait! no, 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 no. It means bear right. not there. it said right, it said take a right. No, 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 look, it, it means go up to the right, bear right over the bridge and hook up with three hundred seven. Make a right Maybe turn. it's a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't
1: mean that. There's Look, a lake there. The machine knows where it is going. This is the the lake. machine this knows. Is the lake. Stop yelling at me. No, it's not. There's no road here.
0: Remain calm. I have trained for this. Okay. Exit the
1: window. Here we go. Make a U-turn if possible. Look out for turn I got to tell you, I'm so offended that some people tell me I look like Michael Scott. I'm just so offended by that. I just get, it just irritates me. But listen, we think Michael, when we watch that, we think, what an idiot, don't we? (laughs) But are we so different? I mean, think about it. Are we really so different? Like Michael, I often miss the call to turn because I'm not willing to be corrected. And then, just like Michael, I blame the GPS voice for leading me astray or as the cause of my consequence of going in the lake. All because I'm not willing to humble myself. And that unwillingness leads to a consequences that are not punishment from God. I can't say that enough, but are a direct result of my unwillingness to listen to sound and godly correction. Like Michael I will always miss the right turn if or when I'm not willing to be told how to drive. Gosh, we so badly want to drive, don't we? Why was Michael and why am I and why are you sometimes so unwilling to trust the voice of the GPS and turn at its correction? I believe, as I said earlier, it's when I stop trusting that the heart of God is good and not just good, but good toward me. That he's not just good, but that he's for me, that he's toward me. See, if I do not trust that God's heart is good, then I'll always see correct, correction as an obstruction to where I think I want to go or what I think is best for me. And that thinking can get really dark. Like when God comes along and he says, hey, Mike, I want you to walk in this direction and maybe it has nothing to do with hidden sin. Maybe it's just you've been doing this ministry for a long time and I want you to go in this direction or hey, I want you to change a job or hey, I want you to go start a thing or whatever it might be or pull sin out in the light. Immediately we start to kind of go, hmm, I don't know, this is risky. I I have a lot to lose here. This isn't safe And we've used the word safe in this culture as a trigger word to just manipulate the situation to get what we want. Safety is not the goal of our lives. Because we start to say, God, you're taking me somewhere unsafe. It's out of my comfort zone. So I'll be a Christian. I'll go to church. I'll show up at a cool venue on Sunday night. But I'm not moving to India I'm certainly not gonna walk up to some stranger and talk. to I mean, right, we just, and then we wonder where the power of God has gone. And we wonder why he doesn't show up when we cry out to him and ask him to move. See, we gotta get honest with ourselves. We gotta get really honest. We say we want all of God and we'll go where he says go, but our pride and our need for an illusion of control and safety creates in us an unwillingness to turn in his voice, which will cause us to get off course in life. And again, I'm not talking about just sinful behaviors that are in the dark, like lust, pride, greed. I'm talking about other things like fear and control. There's a godly fear, awe, reverence, wonder, but there is a fear, that afraid fear that is crippling the body of Christ. We keep, it, we keep giving it room to breathe and it's a cancer. We keep telling each other that our fears are okay and and we affirm one another in them because we understand, but it's crippling the body of Christ. We are intended to be the fearless bride and if we're not willing to be corrected by God and live without fear, and I'm not suggesting we don't have fear, but to step in spite of fear. Just the other day, I I was at the Y and I was in the gym was working out and I looked over at this woman next to me and I'm a 54 year old man I I try to keep myself in shape but I'm a 54 year old man right and there's a young woman maybe 25 26 working out kind of right over here and I look at the top of her phone and I think I recognize on her phone a speaker that she was maybe listening to a Christian speaker and I thought oh interesting and I started to turn to do do this set and and I felt like the Lord said go give her a word and I was like give her a word." I don't know what to say to her. I mean, I've done this before, but but what's the word, Lord? Just go over there and just start to speak to her. I'm like, Lord, she's a young African-American woman and I'm a 54-year-old white man and we're living in BLM culture. She's gonna freak out and run out of the gym. She's gonna think I'm a creepy old man. I'm not going near her. But the Lord said, are you gonna listen? Are you gonna trust? So I stepped over. Excuse me, ma'am, what's your name? She told me her name. I just saw what, you know, is, is that? And she said, yes. It's, and I said, oh, I, I, I like him. I listen to him, you know. Hey, I have a word for you. Well, you know, she was like, word? What's a word? What do you mean? Like, is it a word? I mean, I'm like, I got a word for you, right? A word from the Lord. Pretty soon, I'm stepping over, invading her space. I'm laying hands on her shoulder. She's crying. I think people at the gym thought I was nuts, Am I more afraid of being rejected or disobeying God's correction? We gotta be willing. See, believers are terrified and afraid of good correction because we often think God is only out to expose our hidden shame or our sinful behaviors or that we will end up looking foolish or rejected. We've got to change this way of thinking. We've gotta change our perspective See, Satan's been whispering about this perspective about God, that he's not good. He's been whispering about it since the beginning of time in the garden. Think about when Eve and Adam were in the garden and Satan goes over and says, hey, Eve, God isn't for you. He doesn't want you to be like him. He's hiding his best from you. Don't trust him. When in fact, God had made them just like him in his own image, and then he gave them access to everything in the garden, and he walked with them in the garden where they were like little kids, completely and totally naked, free, unafraid, with zero shame. And you know the rest of the story? They chose the lie instead of the truth. And then that lie goes further, because then we're told growing up that the wrath of God, he cursed them and he sent them out of the garden. That's not true, go read the story. The word cursed or curse is only used as it relates to the serpent. There were natural consequences to Adam and Eve's choice, but not curses because God never cursed them, he loved them because God's correction is love. It's love. And then God made them leave the garden because of love, not because of curse. The big three huddled up together and they said, hey, there's a problem. Man and woman might now eat of the tree of life and they might now live forever and they will remain in these beautiful, never aging bodies and they'll become like cold, beautiful, bloodthirsty vampires. Is that in the Bible? No, I don't think so. But, and they'll get worse and worse and worse remaining in those beautiful, eternal bodies. We, I can't let them do it. It will be horrible for them. Therefore... In my love for them, in my grace, in my correction, I'm gonna send them out of the garden and the consequence will be physical death and aging bodies in order that they will once again truly live and I'm gonna send the answer and it's Jesus. God is so good. He is so good. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? See, I think, and I'm going to speed through a lot of these notes now because there's a lot I got, but see, when we start accepting, willingly accepting God's correction, we start to step out in the light with him. But I think sometimes we can hear the prompt of his correction and we don't activate it or act upon it. So there's a second piece to hearing his correction, to listening and turning. There's a second piece, and it's that we gotta step out in confession. And I don't mean confession like groveling, wallowing, rolling around and saying, no, I'm sorry. Because often when we say I'm sorry, we're really saying we stink. I'm talking about the kind of confession that steps out and says, I'm bringing this out in the light. I'm gonna walk with you as First John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Smaller sins. See, when we step out in the light in confession, speak it aloud, bring it to somebody, step along somebody with it, uh, tell them that I, I've been told by God to go do X, Y, Z, so now I've got an accountability to go do it or whatever the change of direction might be because when there's real correction, there's a change of direction. So that confession, walk out in the light and that koinonia, fellowship, there's a, a real intimacy that starts to happen and a real intimacy, and then the blood of Jesus. He cleanses everything. Wow. And what is confession for? Why why do you think we confess to each other? What do you think is the reason? Excuse me? Where do you get that from? Yes, James 5, gold star, right? It doesn't say confess your sins one another so that you can find redemption or forgiveness or anything else. It says confess to one another so that you will be healed, made whole, living in the right direction. So tonight, take some time. You know, there's of course, there's more that I could talk to each other about this. I know you're maybe at a table with strangers. You might be with people that you know and love. And I'm not suggesting you're supposed to bring out all your darkest, deepest stuff. But take a moment. Where has God been inviting me into correction? And maybe I've not been listening. Where is God even now saying, Mike, Sheena, there's a new direction I want you to take. Step this way with me. Are we then willing to bring it out in the light with others? Be honest with ourselves and be honest with the Father. So just take a moment and just start to discuss, all right? Go.